Hello and welcome to Sparkle Tack, another in the series of musings and mutterings from my favorite city, San Francisco. San Francisco, a city world famous for its culinary traditions, for its seafood, sourdough bread, Ghirardelli chocolate, and so on. The truth is, though, that stuff is just for the tourists. After a few days here, particularly if you've gravitated towards the southeast side of the city, you'll begin to notice a strange proliferation of fat, silvery cylinders sprouting from the hands and faces of the local population. Is it an alien invasion? A new kind of cell phone or something? No. You've discovered the secret passion of San Francisco, the vital fuel source of artists, students, plumbers, and lawyers alike, the San Francisco Mission Burrito. The Mission District is in some ways like its own little town, and though it's experienced quite a few changes throughout the years, as neighborhoods do, it's maintained its own unique local identity. Before the turn of the century, it was where the wealthy merchants built their mansions. After the 1906 earthquake, a wave of Irish and Italian immigrants displaced the German and Scandinavian blue-collar community that was already here. Though there are still quite a few Irish bars around, since the 50s, the neighborhood has gradually become home to immigrants from Mexico and Central America, who give the neighborhood its currently culturally rich Latin flavor. Flavor. Exactly. The burrito was born in northern Mexico, of course. The name means little burrow, thus named because it could carry so many different ingredients. And down there, the concept is relatively simple. It's basically a sandwich. Wrap some meat in a tortilla, maybe throw in a little salsa, and you're good to go. In the late 1960s, however, the burrito was reborn as a native Californian fast food. As New York author Calvin Trillin puts it, In San Francisco, the burrito has been refined and embellished in much the same way that pizza has been refined and embellished in Chicago. Today it bears about as much resemblance to its Spartan ancestor as a house cat does to a tiger. You'd think that because of its history and its proximity to Mexico that all of California, indeed the American Southwest in general, would be full of culinary innovations like this, and in fact it sort of is. All I'm saying is that despite the fact that you can find Calmex pseudo-San Francisco burritos in New York and Berlin, they just ain't right. The burritos here are like nowhere else on earth. Perhaps an explanation is in order. First of all, they're huge. I've got one in front of me right now, in fact, and here's the deal. It's a 10-inch cylinder, about 3.5 inches in diameter, wrapped tightly in tinfoil and weighing uh, weighing about 5 pounds or so, also leaking a little bit of salsa from one end. One of these monsters provides enough fuel to keep your average Mission Bohemian slacker running for 24 hours straight, sometimes more. You won't need to eat again anytime soon, but what will happen is that you'll feel the sudden and inexorable urge to take a nap. They're not known as Mexican sleeping pills for nothing. Your whole body suddenly concentrates all of its resources on the lump of starch and protein in your gut. Your brain starts to shut down and starting to feel a little woozy just thinking about it. This phenomena is known around here as a burrito coma. I ate one last week that just about killed me. I felt like a lion who's just devoured an extra tasty gazelle and then needs a week to sleep it off. It's a well-known strategy that what one should do is chop the thing in half and save it for later. 
it's another well-known fact that this is just not practically possible. They're just too tasty. Once you've built up a certain gastronomical momentum, there's just no turning back. And unfortunately, the post-lunch sleepy time siesta is an ingredient that wasn't imported from south of the border along with the salsa. The second thing, they're cheap and portable. Well, I guess that's two things, really, but for the busy slacker of today, they're equally important. I myself have lived solely off of burritos for weeks at a time, and I've got friends who would probably starve to death if they suddenly vanished from our streets. So that tinfoil I mentioned, important item number three. They're designed to be eaten in the hand, and structural integrity is a vital concern. They come wrapped in an exoskeleton of foil whether you eat them in the restaurant or walking down the street. A well-made, tightly wrapped burrito should be able to stand proudly on one end like a miniature quite tower on the table and make a dent in your toe if you accidentally drop it on your foot. And finally, the ingredients are, of course, of as vital concern as the construction. First of all, it's all about the meat. Veggie burritos are available at almost every taqueria in town, and I've even started to see tofu popping up as an option, but there is... Okay, here I'm probably going to make an enemy or two, but there's just something wrong about this concept. Feel free to try it, of course, but SparkleTac does not endorse such a thing. The embarrassing nationwide craze for wraps, uh, exotic or non-traditional foods such as, I don't know, Asian sesame chicken with mango or barbecued pork with celery or something wrapped in a colorful tortilla-like shell, was actually inspired by our local delicacy, but it's just not working for me. Anyhow, back to the meat. First of all, there's carnitas, pork that's first roasted, then fried in lard. Have I died and gone to heaven? Carne asada, spit-roasted beef. Al pastor, spit-roasted marinated pork. Chicken, boiled or grilled. Chorizo, a Central American sausage. Brains, tongue, pork neck, and so on. Beans, pinto or black, whole or refried. Rice, fried Spanish style. Cheese, sour cream. Guacamole made from fresh California avocados. Juicy red tomatoes and lettuce, crunchy and cool. Some taquerias even offer roasted vegetables, squash, mushrooms, and so on. Finally, salsa and chilies in every color of the rainbow from warm rusty reds to eye-popping greens and in myriad subtle degrees of spiciness from soothingly warm to brain-scorchingly hot. Are you getting the idea? What we're talking about here is a complete portable meal with every important nutritional component represented. Even the veggie versions make up a complete protein with the rice and beans together and in stupefying quantities for very little money. And the taste? Unbelievable. It's the perfect food. The Mission Burrito was born, although this is a subject of heated debate just like everything else in this city, on September the 29th, 1969. The owner of Taqueria La Cumbre, originally a Valencia Street meat market, remembers the date vividly because it was his wife's birthday. They started selling tacos and burritos as a sideline, but they were such a hit that by 1972 they'd given up the meat market side of the business altogether and converted the place into a full-time taqueria. Though the burrito itself wasn't new, the fast food service and the fresh varied ingredients were an innovation. Most taquerias in San Francisco work a little bit like an assembly line. 
To order, you just start at one end of the steaming fragrant counter and answer a series of standard questions from the perspiring staff. What are you having? Super or regular? What kind of meat? What kind of beans? What kind of salsa? And so on, working your way down the line until you've exhausted the ingredient possibilities and are standing in front of the cash register with your money in hand and saliva dripping from the corners of your mouth, dazedly trying to decide whether the cantaloupe agua fresca, the cinnamon horchata, or a frosty Mexican beer would best accompany your personalized creation. There are over a hundred taquerias scattered throughout the Mission District, and I read one estimate that stated that this ritual is performed about 25,000 times daily. Every soul in San Francisco has their own personal favorite taqueria, and it's as dangerous to engage said person in a debate about their choice as it would be to start talking religion or politics. The discovery of a perfect burrito is something of a personal religious experience and not something to be taken lightly. In 1998, Casa Sanchez offered a lifetime's worth of free burritos to any patron who would get a tattoo of the company logo on their skin. To their shock, 50 people showed up to claim their prize before the taqueria withdrew the offer. Figuring out that if all of these people came to the shop every day for the next, say, 50 years, they'd cost themselves almost $6 million. They shouldn't have been surprised. We take our burritos very seriously. You're undoubtedly wondering at this point which is my favorite, but I run in cycles. Last month there was nothing better than the Super Carnitas Burrito at Taco Loco, but this month seems to be a Taqueria Cancun grilled chicken asado, with the burrito itself grilled lightly before being wrapped up. So what will it be next week? Pancho Villa? El Faralito? Taqueria San Jose? It's hard to say. The truth is, the best burrito in the world is the one sitting right in front of you, packed full of promise and carbohydrates, lying in transcendently undigestible splendor, waiting to be devoured. Thanks to Twiddle for supplying the music for this show, a track called, appropriately, Latin Tang. You'll find a link to their GarageBand webpage at sparkletack.com. Congratulations go out to an anonymous emailer, how about that, for the first to answer last week's trivia question correctly. The offending element in the Coit Tower murals that was painted over was a portrayal of the communist hammer and sickle from a painting entitled The Daily Worker. Thanks to everyone who sent in an answer, and congratulations to Diese Mysterieuse Frau. And now, this week's question. Rumor has it that hipster musician Beck was spotted in a Mission Taqueria last week shooting his latest music video. Which Taqueria was it? If you think you have the answer, visit sparkletack.com and leave the answer on the comments page. You can now subscribe to the show through the latest version of iTunes or by clicking the iTunes link on the sparkletack.com webpage. Tune in again next week for a show about the defining element of San Francisco's romantic atmosphere. I'm available, as always, at sparkletack at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments, or visit sparkletack.com for photos, past shows, and miscellaneous other goodies. Till next time.